excitement Adventure Mystery Around every corner No matter what you choose Fantasy awaits you It's time to be Your Path, the podcast where you are in charge of your own destiny. You choose your own destiny. Welcome to Pick Your Path. Uh, this is the first of the bonus episodes, which we did promise to you, the listener, a while ago. And then failed to deliver upon until this very moment. Hey, but we're we're we are men of our words, and we're getting it to you now. Yeah, better late than never, right? Yeah, that's correct. We're, and we're all here. Yes. Well, the Who? three of us are here. Matt Holly is not with us today. Well, this is a Hollyless episode. We did. We were giving Matt a break. Yeah, we're gonna narrate. He for worked a really hard, and we were giving him a break. Uh, but you know, who we didn't give a break as ourselves because we did some writing for this episode, uh, mm-hmm. some off the cuff writing. That's right. This is a uh, impromptu, well, sort of no improv. I would say improv, unplanned. Yeah. Well, I mean, unpolished. Yeah, unpolished for sure. And I don't it, know if we can fairly say improv because we did write it beforehand, which is <laughs> in a lot of ways the literal opposite of what improv is. And but it it's is, in the improv style. It is truly collaborative. Yes. Oh yes. So I'll explain what we did here. What we did is I I wrote myself a little chapter just off the dome in an email with some choices at the end in the pick your path style. And I send it to my good friends, Andrew and David. We should identify ourselves, by the way. I'm Matt Benson. I'm Andrew Lindy. And I'm David King. You, and we like community. Yep, we do. <laughs> we do. But that's not... I mean, if you listen Special to Shut Up Leonard... To... No, stop it. Oh, sorry. Uh, we're here to talk about Choose Your Own Adventure business today. Um, so I, I, the point is that I, Matt Benson, wrote a little chippy chap on my uh, phone. He wrote a chippy chap because his spurs go jingle, jingle, jingle. <laughs> Uh, and I sent it off to my good pals, Andrew Lindy and David King, and I said, hey, each of you pick a choice and then write the next chapter, and then I'll pick a choice and write the next chapter, and then we'll have a little impromptu story here. So then it became a popularity contest, and yeah, because exactly. we're all such good friends, we sat on it for like months and months and didn't do anything. Yeah, that's correct. So then eventually Benson said, you guys better do this, or it's, you're going to have to have a knife fight in an arena. Yeah. And I said, well, I would clearly win that, so we should do this. And that's true. I agree with that. <laughs> I mean, I also all my knives are in the shop. So yeah, that's that's the thing. <laughs> the that's shop. the thing. You know, like. Um, but we have it now, and yes. we, what we're going to do is we're going to read it for you. Uh huh. We don't have a title for it, but by we'll the end of it, we'll decide what that title is. Yeah, and uh, you know, we're playing it loosey goosey, so it's not the it's not the same slick. Highly produced episode you're used to hearing, and they also you can't make the choices because we already made them. Plus, we're all sitting in one spot, kind of yelling toward a microphone. Yeah, that's so. correct. <laughs> um, Nothing but professional quality on. That's this. what makes this a bonus episode, though. Yeah, well. Um, so should I start us off? Yeah. You do the honors. Are we doing this much like in? Are we doing this paragraph by paragraph? We're doing this paragraph by paragraph. Yes. <laughs> paragraph yes. by paragraph. Um, so All I'm going right. to read the first paragraph, and then I'll toss it on over to David, and then he'll toss it to Andrew, and then he'll toss it back to me. Alrighty. Just like the hit show starring Kelsey Grammer, back to you. Can you pull one other name from back to you? Oh, the lady was the mother from, from Malcolm in the Middle? 
I don't think that's correct. But okay. you I, I, I mean, I don't know. No, it's the it, wife from Everybody Loves Raymond. Patricia Heaton, that is correct. That is correct. I mean, yes, no, maybe. I don't know. Could <laughs> no, you repeat correct. the question? I, who was the female lead on the hit Kelsey Grammer post Frasier television show? Back to you. Bring it all back to you. Did he have a show called Hank as well? Was there a show called there Hank? There was Hank. Okay. We're, we're, and there was also Boss. Boss. And. And uh, Partners. Yes. I'm so sorry. We've everybody. done it. Uh, chapter one. You're on aisle 15, cleaning supplies, looking for baking soda to get rid of the ungodly smell your dog left in the carpet when you see him. I forgot where I was going. I wrote this, and I forgot where I was the going. The formatting is a little weird right there. Yeah. You'd be like more like, the dog left in the carpet when you see him. Yeah, see, the thing is, we didn't edit these at all, so some <laughs> of them are bad. And we're going like, to improvise like a little bit here, and it, uh, it should also be explained that we did actually write several other branches that could have gone other places. So there are things, there are actually avenues here that did not get explored. That is correct. That, that do exist. Yeah. So maybe someday we'll, re- we'll return to those. But this is the path we- Benson has chosen. Yeah. And I was chosen. I was the pilot of this episode. We'll probably do another one of these one day where one of these two gentlemen are the pilot. That would be fun. I'm going to try this again. You're on aisle 15, cleaning supplies, looking for baking soda to get rid of the ungodly smell your dog left in the carpet when you see him. Normal looking guy, Oxford shirt, khakis. He's looking at air fresheners, but really, he's looking at you. I only have a... I'm sorry. <laughs> at least you think he is. Maybe you're being paranoid. It's 5 a.m. You're woken up by the smell of dog mess. You're not thinking clearly. But who needs air fresheners at 5 in the morning? This is a time to shop for emergency cleaning supplies, and you can't think of a single emergency that can be solved with faint lemon scent. I like, by the way, that since we're going back and forth, it is like a little argument in your brain here. <laughs> we are the voices of your mind. Um, your muses. Yeah. Then again, maybe he's just a morning person. Maybe he's always up this early. But what if he's not? What if you finally made the wrong person angry and he's here to correct that? Is this crazy? If you knew the answer, you wouldn't have to ask the question. If you keep calm, buy the baking soda and leave, skip to chapter 32. If you throw baking soda in his face and run for it, skip to chapter 47. So well, we should say this is now. Should we say who wrote what part? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So right. I wrote that first part. And uh, we both wrote our parts, and Benson picked uh, the one I wrote. That's correct. For this one. Mm-hmm. So here we go. Chapter 47. And Mom always shook her head at your acute sense of paranoia. In one deft motion, you spin on your heel and aim the baking soda to heft it in the stranger's direction. Except instead... Your slippered foot spins out on the linoleum floor and you topple over, your would-be missile making a pathetic arc and landing a good three feet from him. It doesn't even burst open when it hits the ground. You look up from where you landed on your stomach, thankfully only bruised in your ego. The man looks from the box to you and raises an eyebrow. Casually, he puts his hands in his pockets and starts casually walking towards you. That was, a, that was my bad. Yeah, that casually. would have been something we would have lost if, this, if we had edited these, yep. but we don't. You scramble up onto your feet and enact the second part of your plan, the running. You dash to the end of the aisle and glance in either direction. Aisle 16 is right next to you and puts a good wall between you and the man. Psst! You hear a voice hiss at you. To your left, a woman in an employee's uniform is waving at you from behind the deli counter. This way, quick, she calls. If you take the chances... Chances... (laughs) Your chances. If you take your chances down aisle 16, skip to chapter 22! If you go to the employee, <laughs> skip to chapter A. Chapito wheat. Chapter 
All right. So I wrote this one again. That's how these work. Is you, you pick one, and then I write another one, and then you guys pick again. Mm-hmm. That's how these work when you're in control. Yep, yep. Yeah. Andrew? Oh, is it me? It's you. I got so lost. You make tracks for the deli counter. The woman seems to know what's going on, and you don't. She slips into an office behind the counter, motioning for you to follow. You keep your head down and don't look back until you're safely behind the meat. You glance at the store before heading into the office and see nothing. Nobody is chasing you. You catch your breath and take a look around the deli. There's a TV with feeds from security cameras around the store. You see aisle 15. The man in khakis is putting the baking soda you toss back on the shelf. He heads towards the registers without taking a second look in your direction. A hand grabs you by the arm and pulls you into the office. You saw him too? Shouts a mouth coming from the same direction as the hand. In between the two, you see a name tag. This was a re- I got really weird with my descriptions there. I'm going to put it out there. <laughs> I like it, though. It reads Meg. Meg is a short woman with a wild tangle of silver hair, like Albert Einstein. There's a glint in her eye that could be the kind of crazy you become when you're the only one who sees the truth. It could also be the regular kind of crazy. Yes, you confirm. I mean, who? The alien on aisle 15, she explains. Comes in every morning at 5.40.55 and... <laughs> Comes in every morning at 4.57 sharp, buys a Whiff brand baby powder scented oil fragrancer, and leaves. I started working the early Swift. (laughs) I'm sorry. I started working the early shift, so I'm choking now. (laughs) Excuse me. This is great. Oh, boy. Someone doesn't want me to finish this. I started working the early shift so I could watch him. Here, look. She wheels out a mid-90s era television with a built-in VCR. She hits play... It's com- <laughs> it's a compilation of aisle 15. The days change, but the scene is always exactly the same. Oxford shirt. Khakis. Whiff brand baby powder scented oil fragrancer. I think he eats them, Meg says. Or he's trying to power a ship or something. I don't know yet. But now that someone else can see him, I can find out. What do you mean, you caution? One time I followed him after he left here. He goes to five other dawns. Always dawns. Never any other store. And he buys one fragrancer at each. Never more than one, even if they have more than one. Then he goes home. A while ago, I had the idea to break into his house and look around while he's at the other dons, but I was never bold enough to do it without a lookout. You in? Definitely would have lost those double more than once if I had taken a second look at Right. If you break into a stranger's house with a woman you just met, skip to chapter three. If you step back from the situation, realize it's insane, and go home to finish cleaning up your dog's mess, skip to chapter 28. You know what? I feel like, you know, you can't marry a man you just met. I feel like there's a message here. <laughs> I feel like we're evoking a certain popular film. What's happening? Never mind. Forget it. I don't know I what that went way over everybody's head. I understood, but I will let you be. What explain to Matt? Hey, let go. <laughs> Thank you, Andrew. Is this a frozen Thank time? You, it's Is a, this Mr. Frozen time? Mr. Frozen time. Mr. Frozen, Mr. Popper's Penguins. Uh, <laughs> Chapter 28. This is one I wrote. I believe this is another David. I win again. But I believe I did take some backstory from one of Andrew's chapters. You did. Sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah. You made it work. It's you. Is it me? It's you, Punky Brewster. That is pretty weird. You relent to Meg, shaking your head. But breaking and entering is not my thing. It's kind of against the law, you know? Meg fixes you with a glare. But the fate of the entire planet could be at stake. You take a couple of steps back, hoping to extract yourself from 
Oh, wait. Oh, was, you didn't I do anything wrong. You were, you were on track. What I is, mean, you, you, might have done, you might have done more than one paragraph. Yeah, the formatting but, is oh, weird. Whatever. Uh, you take a couple steps back, hoping to extract yourself from the weirdness overall. Sorry, but you're going to have to find someone else. I've got a home emergency to deal with. Meg sighs. Fine, fine. You need time. At least take this. She flicks a battered business card out of an apron pocket and hands it to you. Call me when you change your mind. <laughs> Call me when you change your mind and want to seek the truth. Reluctantly, you take Meg's card and stick it in your back pocket. Thanks, you say. And head back to aisle 15 without a, second ba- without a backward glance. Though you can feel Meg's eyes on you as you go. You see no sign of the stranger who gave you the willies as you buy baking soda and head to your car. You think about the weird feeling you had on the drive home. The paranoia his presence gave you. Maybe what Meg said has some merit. At least the part about his odd nightly routine. But hey, that's his business. You get home and trudge back into your house. The smell that your dog left on the carpet is the first thing that greets you as you open the door, and it's only gotten worse since you left. Of course you spot the culprit sitting on the bed when you come in, which she is not supposed to do. Lily! You yell at the Chihuahua mix. Off! After getting the naughty dog and depositing her in the backyard, which she is not pleased about, you get back on track to starting to clean up. When there's a knock at your front door, you grit your teeth in frustration, but otherwise go to the door. Probably one of your neighbors complaining about Lily yapping like mad to be let back in. You are deaf to her pleas for forgiveness. You put your eye to the peephole. Oxford shirt. Khakis. Nonchalantly rocking back and forth on his heels. Your heart goes in your mouth as you take a quiet step back from the door. What is the guy from the store doing here? Did he follow you? You remember the card Meg gave you right then. You snap it out of your pocket and look at it closely. It's just a Don's business card, but a phone number has been written on it in green marker. The knock comes again. Polite. Reasonable. What do you do? If you open the door and talk to the stranger, skip to chapter 40. If you open the door again on the floor, everybody walks a dinosaur. (laughs) Walk the dinosaur. (laughs) If you call the number on Meg's card, skip to chapter 16. Which one did you pick, Benson? I picked chapter 16, so here's another bad boy that I done writ. Chapter 16. Chapter 16. He's here. You whisper shout into your phone as he, as he stoops at <laughs> as you. He who stop phone ring stop ringing. Oh, oh. He's me, here. Oh, you boy. whisper shout into your phone as soon as it stops ringing. The alien? Meg full on shouts back. Where's here? Where are you? At my house. He's knocking at the door of my house. You panic. He's at your house? That's great! Answer the door, she suggests. Oh, is there somewhere you could put the phone where I could still hear? Like a front pocket? You're wearing a Cerebral Vortex t-shirt you stole from an ex-boyfriend. You have better memories with the shirt than you do with him. It does not have a front pocket. I'm not going to answer the door. What if he zaps me with his death ray or something? I called because I thought you would help, you plead. No, I just want you to answer the door, she explains. This is the perfect op... I'm you, sorry. I, my, my you're supposed ab- to cut him off, Andrew. My tablet decided it's to stop theater. working. In the theater! Okay. You must take, take do two. this. No. Take two. I just want you to open the door, she explains. This is the perfect opportunity. You notice something. Shh, shut up for a second. You command. Do you hear that? Can I appreciate that you got your perfect line? <laughs> I did. I threw a little Paul Tompkins <laughs> reference for, for the, for the cl- eagle eared listeners. Uh, I don't hear anything, she answers. Lily, stop barking, you worry. Who's Lily? Meg asks. You rip the phone away from your face without answering, but don't hang up. 
You place it on your head and cover it with a big Russian hat that you bought at the flea market. <laughs> it's probably too thick for sound to come through, but it's all you have on hand. It's, nope, nope. <laughs> it's, it's me. Sure. It's me. Or, uh, hand. You throw open the door, expecting to say something cool, but you let yourself down, so instead you stare, you share a silent moment with the man in the khakis. He smiles. With his left hand, he removes your hat, and with the right, he takes your phone and holds it to his ear. Goodbye, Meg, he says. He hangs up and returns the phone to you. What did you do to my dog, you ask. He looks down. You see Ill Lily's little apple head peeking out between two khaki-clad legs, gently cuddling them. The little rat never had any loyalty. Something's about to happen, he says. We thought you'd like a warning. This is a list of places that will be safe. Take it. He hands you a folded piece of paper. You unfold it. It's just two words printed in big black letters. Not here. Lily starts barking again. The man is gone. If you try to warn everybody about the vague impending doom, skip to chapter 63. If you try to get somewhere not here, skip to chapter 20. I really thought for sure you were going to pick the not here one Yeah, for this one. Well, we had a bit of controversy behind the scenes here. <laughs> where uh, I think it, it pops up, doesn't it, later? I mean, I, yeah, it does. yeah, I worked it back in. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. But Andrew decided that the note, in fact, did Matt. not say not here. I mean, to be well, honest, we're onto something really good here, though. I'm liking the flow of the thing, like hearing well, yeah. it all in, in tandem. Also, yeah. Also, yours just keep getting picked, I'm realizing. I, yep. That's, I noticed it but really I early on. I kept using parts of yours yeah, in, the, in the backstory. That was the weird little dynamic. That evolved, mm-hmm. where I feel like I liked your bones better, Andrew. <laughs> Sorry, but I like David's detail better. Okay. The devil's in the detail, they say. <laughs> Sorry. Chapter 63. Which I forget is, whose turn it is. It's mine. Okay. This confirms it. All those years. This of- is, sorry, this is a David chapter, by the way, in case that wasn't clear from what we were just yep. saying. This confirms it. All those years of reading conspiracy theories and prophetic accounts has to come to this. The end is nigh. Maybe? Jumping to conclusions has been helping you a fair amount this evening, and being proactive has been a big plus. You need to get the word out, or at least figure out what the alien's warning means. You call Meg back first and foremost. She picks up right after the first ring. What happened, she says, near panic in her tone. I thought you'd been vaporized or gooified for a second. It might be worse, you reply. You explain what happened between you and your visitor, and the note. I have no idea what this means, but I... Think we are royally screwed. There's a long pause on the other end. Great, Meg replies with a sigh. All right, think big. Friendly letters on the cover. What, you ask? Uh, sorry, inside reference. I mean, don't panic. Now that you're in deep, I think it's safe to let you in on a couple things. I'm only part of a larger group dedicated to this sort of thing. A collective that examines the strange and bizarre. If we're going to get to the bottom of this, make sure we get the populace set up for the end... You need to meet me at the old gazebo at the park. You blink. I'm sorry, what? Shouldn't we warn people now? We don't have time, Meg Gales. This is already... Uh, this is... Well said. We Thank don't you. have the time, Meg Gales. This might be the only chance we get, and I've already said too much over the phone. We could be tapped. Old gazebo. Park. You know which one. She hangs up before you get a chance to get a word in edgewise. You look down at Lily, feeling a knot of dread in your stomach. It might be good to meet with some like-minded folks who may have answers. There's something nagging at you about the Meg. <laughs> <laughs> the first concern is to get your get you and your loved ones, in this case the traitorous tiny hound, somewhere safer regardless. If you go to the old gazebo and meet Meg and her people, skip to chapter 50. 
If you take things into your own hands and go to, say, the local authorities, skip to chapter 33. Once again, I thought... I had a completely different idea in my head of which way the story might have gone. Uh, but I went with chapter 33. And you so did. A, a bit so about we'll, going to the authorities. We'll go back to those some other day. Yeah. What happened when you go to the? What happened when you went to the authorities? Well, something's going on here. You don't know what, but something. What you think it is is too crazy to be true. You've got to go to the police. Even if the world isn't about to end, you figure Meg could at least use a wellness check. You scoop up Lily and on your way to the car. She's usually fine to stay at the house, but somewhere in the back of your mind, you get the feeling you may not be coming back. There's not much going on at the police station. There never is in your town. Something's happening, you open. You go on to explain everything that happened. I don't like that sentence. (laughs) The policeman says something unintelligible into his walkie-talkie. Wait right here. We'll bring her in, he says to you. What do you mean you're bringing her in, you ask? She'll be dealt with, he says with a sense of finality. You look at him blankly. It's too late to stop this. He says that. I should clarify. It's not exactly (laughs) clear in my own writing. The earth starts to rumble. Is this an earthquake? You've never been in an earthquake. Is this what it feels like? You get a text. It's from Meg. One word. Go. Is it? I'm going to call that another paragraph. Okay. You feign a smile at the shaking... Wait. You feign a smile at the policeman, then bolt. You almost go tumbling down the station steps. The ground really is shaking now. You get to your car. Lily is sleeping in the driver's seat, unaware of the turmoil outside. Outside, I believe what I actually wrote. You get in. I'm trying to be gracious here. <laughs> you get in. She doesn't move. You do the awkward dance of trying to reach around your own butt to pick her up and move her to the back. Based on a true story, that dance, because I have a chihuahua of my own. And let me tell you, sometimes that dude doesn't want to get out of the way. You, you can guess who Lily was inspired by. Yeah, <laughs> You sit her down and yelp in surprise when you see Meg lying on the floor. <laughs> Did he give you a note? She demands. The police... Oh, you mean the man in khakis, you realize. You pull the note out of your pocket. Yeah. No. Oh, is that his... No, nah, no, go, go. Okay. Yeah, it said, not here... You stop. Looking at the note again, it clearly says, not re the third. <laughs> three in Roman numerals. Yeah. It says, not three, and then three lines. Meg steals the paper out of your hands. It doesn't say any of that, she says. It's an R language. That's why your brain can't make sense of it. Every time you look at it, it will say something different. Look. She shows you the note again. Mon ami. R language, you ask? Oh, sorry. I was, I was like, you are doing it in tandem. Come on. Next paragraph all together. One, <laughs> two, three. I'm, I'm an, an alien, alien too. Meg explains. So are you, actually. It's stop a this. long stop story. This. Stop this. Stop this. <laughs> So here I'm going to warn the listener, here's where we get the big old exposition dump, which was me kind of trying to bring an end to this story. We were tired. Yeah. We're still tired. Yeah. we this 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 uh, From this point on, we were writing this live in this room tonight, yeah. and not just back and forth over email like we had done previously. If we, like I said, if we tackle this again in the future, we'll probably give a little bit more love and care to some of those others. This is like that weird... No, I don't think so. I think the point of this exercise is... I think we should do it always packed in a room. <laughs> okay. We should put a timer on it even, Let's I think. do that. I mean, the timer's okay. not a bad idea, but this is more of an off-air discussion. Okay. I'm a ghost, Luke. I mean, I'm an alien, too. Uh, no. I'm an alien, too. Meg explains. So are you, actually. It's a long story. Our planet was doomed. We got in an arc. It crashed here, and most of the inhabitants were killed by the much physically stronger proto-humans. Those that survived did so by the... 
mating with the proto-humans, resulting in the modern human. By the way, the reason why I said proto-human is because I'm I'm not science smart enough to know if I should have said like Neanderthal or Homo erectus yeah, or, or what should have been the correct word. That's fair. And yet more of us still remained cryogenically frozen in the one section of the ship whose power supply wasn't damaged in the crash. It's all very boring history. Anyway, we finally woke up about 30 years ago. Some of us, that is. Myself and my friends were content to stay hidden amongst the populace. Others, Khaki Man and his friends, wanted to take over. He uses the air fresheners to communicate with them. The specific serial numbers all have meanings associated with them, so by buying specific ones, he can send coded messages. Hey, why don't you say specific a few more times, dummy? That's a note to myself. (laughs) I was intercepting them. I knew he was working on manipulating the tectonic plates, but I had no idea he was this close to succeeding. Why are you telling me this, you ask? (laughs) Your DNA is remarkably pure. You're mostly one of us. You must not have a lot of genetic diversity among your ancestors, she explains. You feel oddly embarrassed about the genetic diversity thing. Khaki Man considers you one of us. That's why he wanted to spare you. He probably thought some kind of genetic instinct would kick in and allow you to read his note. He always was an idiot. So what does the note say, you ask? It's the location of Escape Pod. <laughs> we had these that back, is what I wrote. We had these back home. It'll take you to the nearest celestial body and then back when it receives an all-clear message from its home base. So it'll take me to the moon until this blows over? Exactly. I won't blame you if you take the escape pod, but I should warn you, my people are working on a way to counteract Khaki Man's tech. If we succeed, the Earth will be saved, but he won't be able to send the message to the escape pod to bring you home. Or you could stay with us, but if we fail, you die. If you take the escape pod, skip to chapter 9. If you... Oh, that's you. If you... Yeah, I thought... You you had me convinced, David. I was gonna let you lead... I was gonna let you lead that. Ready to lead? Go do it. If you stay with Meg, skip to chapter 39. Guess who wins this round? My time Andrew. to shine! Andrew won. Yep, Andrew <clears throat> wrote chapter 9. Andrew wins. And it's, but it's David's turn to read. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You never thought you'd go to space. Your dreams of being an astronaut were dashed long ago. <laughs> I missed that one when I heard it, but I really like it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but now, you find yourself approaching a hidden escape pod that will take you to the moon. Way to not beat around the bush, by the way. I'm glad you really just took <laughs> Get us there. right there. Yeah. You left Lily in Meg's care. Uh, neither. a new paragraph, David. <laughs> let, it, let it be. <laughs> oh, sorry. Do it. All right. You left Lily in Meg's care. Neither of you were certain what effects space travel would have on your dog. Now, this was a situation where I'm pretty sure Andrew did not clearly understand my chapter because by taking the escape pod... Earth has to die for you for you to be on the winning side. So you've essentially made it so that only you or Lily can live here. That's that's drama. Yeah, that's human drama. But why would you do that? Look, some of the best stories, the dog dies. <laughs> that's how it is. You left Lily in Meg's care. Neither of you were certain what effect space travel could have on your dog. The pot is hidden in a small forested area just outside of town. In the roots of the tree is a small pad, and when you touch it, the tree opens to reveal a seat. You take it, and the tree seals up around you. You never know what could happen to that dog, though. I mean, look at poor Laika. It's true. <laughs> a great force pushes you up and up. The world blinks by, and you are above the planet Earth. The stars look very different today. Nice tribute to a fallen hero. Before you can take it all in, you are landing on the moon. You see other escape pods. You see other escape pods. Is how I pronounce that word. You see other escape pods dotting the moonscape. In fact, you see them open, and the people inside are milling about the surface. You're shocked by this. Certainly there's no air on the moon. But given everything you've seen and heard today, maybe that's just another secret. 
You don't want to just wait in the pod for the all clear. And maybe you can learn something from the others. If you wait in the pod to be taken back to Earth, go to chapter 77. If you leave the pod to converse with your fellow aliens, go to chapter 56. Chapter 56. <laughs> Let me tell you, there are some typos in this, buddy. <laughs> That's all right. So, uh, our, uh, what, what's going to happen, guys? Who can say? You rush out of the escape pod, excited at the prospect of conversing with some genuine aliens. Your feet hit the lunar ground and you immediately struggle for breath. You look at the people you saw on your way here. They're all wearing some kind of oxygen generator on their necks. You feel like an idiot. You crawl to your knees, you fall to your knees, and crawl back to your pod. It won't open. You look to the people around you. None of them uh, seem to notice you dying. They're all panicking and looking at communicators on their wrists. You guess Meg's plan is working. As your body tries to stretch as much life as it can from what little air you have left in your lungs, nearly 2,500,000 miles away from home, you smile at your final thought. Of course Lily squirmed her way into the winning side. This path ends here. To pick another path, return to chapter one. Wow. Yeah. Isn't that that great? We ended on a bogus ending. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We did. Um, Can't win all of them. Nope. Yeah, I was kind of uh, moving it towards the end there, and I I, I thought it would be longer than it was, to be honest. Yeah, actually, I was thinking about that, too. But I think that's a realistic branch to f- to follow until you get to a bogus ending. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. A de- a de- uh, ending where you die. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely, uh, I like having choices where sometimes it's, it feels like this is the dumbest choice and you'll pick it anyway. <laughs> yeah. Because it's fun. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> With these things you never know. Because you want to you wanna laugh at it because then you know you know it's going to lead to bad and then you can just flip back to the previous page and then ch- pick the other branch that you didn't go down. It's one of the great joys of CYOA storytelling. Do we, do, do we want to talk more about some, some of the writing choices we made or no? Sure. Just, yeah, that's right. it. I thought I I I, I like this. I, I this was a fun exercise. I think I, I was I really liked some of the stuff we came up with. Definitely, it turned into a fun like like tongue in cheek sci fi story. Yeah, mm-hmm. but it, it could have gone in any direction. Really, we just yeah. had all this conspiracy theory stuff. Yeah. Uh, ultimately, like I I had ideas in my head about where where it might have gone. About you know maybe crossing and double crossing that could have occurred. Yeah. And, you know who was involved where, but and where allegiances lie, but. Um, Ultimately, I like what we what we settled on. Yeah, and uh, I liked how prominent a certain small apple-headed dog became. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> now, Benson, did you initially want this to be aliens? Was this where you wanted it? To no, go? Uh, uh, I didn't really have an idea of mm. what it would be initially. Mm. Uh, I wasn't thinking aliens though. I was if if I was thinking anything, I was thinking maybe some kind of secret society mm. member. Mm. That's kind of what I was thinking of as well. Yeah, for a bit there. Uh, and then I think I was the one who turned... turned well, I, I made Meg think it was an alien, which I initially thought... My initial intention was that, oh, Meg is just a crazy person. It's not mm-hmm. an alien at all. But then it, it kind of wound up being... She kind of wound up being right. Yeah. One one of the things I had considered uh, doing and writing into a branch if it got there was, like, finding out that there was a, a post-secret society hmm. and you're being duped into it by Meg. Yeah. And then the khakis guy actually means really well. Yeah. But he's just from a rival secret society. Yeah. Yeah, um, I kind of I wanted Khaki to be friendly. That was... that was I, I kind of wrote that into something early on. I mean, he is friendly to you. Yeah, yeah. 
And right. I, I mean, that's why I, I, I kind of like the idea of he, we set him up as the villain, but then the dog, like, because that's always the thing. <laughs> the dog the loves dog him. Is the villain. No, the dog loves him. Because <laughs> okay. in movies, like, that's always the thing is, like, oh, the dog knows that the bad guy's bad, even when the humans don't. Yeah. But in this movie, the dog's just like, no, this movie. <laughs> this well, he's not really a bad guy. He thinks he means well. He just sees all these little Well, I mean, no, he's, a, he's trying to take over the world. He is a bad guy. Okay, but he's. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's manipulating tectonic mind, plates to... In his mind, yeah. he's not a bad That's guy. That's true, yeah. In his mind. And and Lily's down with that. Lily's just like, I'm gonna cuddle up with these khakis. He's gonna kill all the humans. For some reason, the dogs will survive. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, fun stuff. I think one of the frustrating, but also fun challenges of this was... It is so hard to plan something because, as you said, David, you never know what crazy direction one of the other one of us is going to take it in. I think I think that makes it more exciting though. Yeah, I mean, we just kind of go, we kind of roll with what the other does, and I will probably do another one of these down the line. I'd like to. I, yeah, I think we definitely will. And um, what maybe one of us will one of one of us other other guys will write the opener. Yeah, and, they, and yeah. ultimately steer the story. That's what I. That's how I think it should be. Be a master of suspense. Um, yeah. Yeah. So we got any? Well, we, we should name what are we going to call the story? I mean, I think it's... My suggestion is the man in khakis. Oh, I have... Uh, I, I mean, I don't know. Whoever wrote it, it was the alien on aisle 15. Oh, yeah. That's pretty That's good a too. real classic. I like yeah, that, that is, one. That's got a real it's classic R.A. Montgomery vibe. I that, think was the, a, that was you, right? What? Who wrote the... It was in chapter 8. What did I write? The alien on aisle 15. In what context did I write oh, that? It a, it's what it, Meg, it's Meg, Meg... Meg is like... Meg's oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah. alien on aisle 15. I like... I was thinking it. Both of those are actually better than what I thought of, which is just a terrible pun. I wanted to call the story "Khaki Attacky." I, I like that. I do like that. <laughs> but I like the Alien on Isle Fifteen. Yeah, that's my poem. I think. Yeah. So this is this is this has been the Alien on Isle Fifteen. Yeah, and we'll see you soon with another bonus episode, hopefully. Thank you, and until next time, pick your path. Well, to pick a to pick another path, choose another episode of this podcast and listen to it again. Or, if you don't want to listen to this again, you can listen to any of the other fine podcasts that the gentleman here produced. To pick another path, go to bedvnetwork.com and listen to another great podcast on there. Shows like Midnight Marinara. Mm-hmm. Shows like uh, Shut Up Leonard, which just ended. <laughs> shows... There's so many Shut Up Leonard episodes, so you can pick any of those for pathing. That's true. Mm-hmm. Uh, Benson's Boombox. I recently made my parents watch Star Wars and then talk about it. <laughs> Nerds Eye View, Nerds if you like movies. View. Yeah. There's also Ben View on Spielberg. Ben View on Spielberg. I just talked about Empire of the Sun. Woo! They're all there on BenViewNetwork.com. Anything else you guys want to plug? Well, not really. All right. <laughs> See you next time.